On this episode of Star Wars Time Show, of course you know what we're talking about. That's right, we've both seen it. It's time for our spoiler cast of The Rise of Skywalker. And we'll be ending with a nice little nod to the latest episode of The Mandalorian S1E7, The Reckoning. What did you think? We'll break it down. Cue the music. Everybody, welcome to this super duper special edition of the Star Wars Time Show, and that's because it is finally here. I cannot believe it is here. The culmination of the Age of Resistance trilogy has come. Nick and I have seen it. We've digested it. I've seen it twice at this point in time, twice within 12 hours, as all good Star Wars fans should, at least those of us that have awesome jobs. They get lots Mm -hmm. of free time. So anyways, we're, we're, we're here to talk about The Rise of Skywalker. I mean, there's no secret about that. There's going to be spoilers flying left and right. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, you know what? What's your problem? Go to hell. You should have already seen it by now at least twice. I'm giving Nick a pass because he had to work. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills around here. It's so true. we're going we're to talk a little Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Actually, we'll talk a lot of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Who knows where the discussion's going to go? We've got a list of bullet points we want to hit. Who knows if we'll get to them all? You never know what type of tangents we'll take, but we're jazzed up. We've had our little pregame huddle. We've got a game plan. You know it's going to go out the fucking window as soon as we start getting into it. But we're here to just kind of air our opinions, our feelings, maybe some grievances here or there for Trosh. You never know. I've seen, I'm, I've, I'm literally right out of my second screening. So I'm kind of shot out of a cannon. I can't even think straight right now, buddy. But <laughs> wow, right? I mean, holy yeah. shit. That, that, that's, I think that's the, the best way to describe my initial viewing. It's just like, holy shit. Now I know what it would feel like. To get hit in the face with a Star Wars fire hose. Yeah, I mean, J.J., he, like, I don't understand where he lost time. Like, I don't know how he cut time in this movie. Because it was literally, like, this movie from the second it started was was just chock-a-block full of Star Wars plot, Star Wars, you know, you know, nostalgia, Star Wars little trinkets and everything like it was dude have you ever seen a pace that this movie carries for its first hour in in, i mean clearly never in star wars but in really anything i mean i i just the the first 45 minutes or so it's it's truly non-stop i know we say that a lot of times when we're critiquing films like oh non-stop action i mean it it literally is non-fucking-stop right from the get-go right as those credits roll and disappear it's on like popcorn. Oh yeah, I, I, like I've never experienced something like that before. Where like literally, if you if you blink, if you had to look down for some reason, like if you had to mute your phone and your your you missed a key plot on, point, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's how fast and furious this dude was coming with the stuff. And <laughs> look, like I uh, haven't seen, like you said, you've seen it twice already. I've only seen it once, and oh, like the whole God. time this is going on. I'm like, holy shit, this is way like, this is too fast. Like, and 
I, it, you know, we spoke about this a little bit before we got on the cast. And if if you guys listening have read my review, um, oh, please do. I I want to yeah. I, I want to promote that for a second. I think Nick did a really good job of reviewing this movie. Not just because I agree with it a hundred percent. I'm not that type of fucking asshole, but. I think he laid out some very valid opinions, and it, and it comes from a, a fan perspective, obviously. Uh, but it, it's it's written in a smart way, and it's not snarky or stupid like a lot of these fucking pro critics are getting with this movie, or obviously like the trolls. So you know, yeah. I'm just uh, pump my pump my guy up here. Check his shit out. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's good mean, when it, when he get when he starts typing. He's good at it. I can I can write some things pretty well every now and then. So like long story short, I gave the movie an 8 out of 10. And if you followed us along since before we even became the official Star Wars time show and we were on the uh you know Entertainment Buddha network, you'll know that this is the lowest of the 3 that I've rated. But I don't want you to think it by any means that I didn't like this movie. I really enjoyed The Rise of Skywalker. I, just, I could also give you this for your rating, if if you yeah. really want to get down to it. I, I think it might have been higher if we used more of uh, the criteria. I mean, I, sometimes I'll throw in like sound design and cinematography. Yeah. I mean, See, you like, went with three very key metrics. Yeah, but obviously you could have layered some in and maybe padded I, it up a little. I bit. could have, like, I could because I was sitting there, I was thinking. Because, like you said, I could add as many criteria as we wanted. Yeah. The, the like, cinematography, I, by the way, is fucking fantastic. I mean, yes, yes. JJ, this, I mean, if anything, if people want to bitch, go ahead and bitch. But you can't bitch about the way you shot it. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, to me, like, the the way it was shot, the acting, and the overall, like, like the, the back half of this movie, like, post, like, after the, the, the franticness really comes down and you settle into a what I would call a relatively normal pace, the movie sings. So like my only problem with this film is that first 45 to an hour that you talked about, Matt, where it's just like constant nonstop here, get this, here's this, we need to get this, here's how you get it, this is how you get this, Zori gives me a badge, all right, now I can get on the ship, and all, like everything just happens so quickly and smoothly quickly and i i will note smoothly for the no, the the most part oh yeah i mean like things happen like it's not like you know weird the way that it happens but yeah I and i know that. you and i we're in the know we we basically study this shit i mean it, it's it's a re, it's a religious experience for the most part right yeah uh, but I even feel like for common, like uh, common people, like we're the almighty fucking <laughs> yeah. Star Wars fans. Yes, hear us from the mountain of Star Wars time, commoners. <laughs> but, you know, like someone like my, I went with my mom and, you know, she's someone that likes Star Wars, but isn't studying every aspect of new projects coming out. And like I told you offline, I mean, she basically like, I, this could be my favorite movie. So even the, the the fast early pace, the the conveniences for the most part. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. plot convenience. Let's be real. Yeah. Like you said, oh, here's the chip. Now you can get in. Oh, here's this. Now we can go here. Oh, here's this. okay, fine. Whatever. I mean, when you when you t- I I do have to uh, make a disclaimer here. I I'm gonna tell everyone if you watched the first time and you felt a little discombobulated with this early section we're talking about, and it might have left a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth. Please go see it again, because I'm coming fresh out of my second screening, like I said. And, and I can tell you, I had 
a completely different experience. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, you have to see this movie twice to enjoy it. That's not the case. I really enjoyed my first screening. But the second one, having that first layer down, knowing kind of what was coming at me in that that fast-paced, pew, 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 opening fucking 45, 50 minutes, really uh, made my second viewing uh, more pleasurable than my initial. And there's other factors. I mean, when I go see a brand-new Skywalker Saga movie, I'm, I'm almost having an out-of-body experience, dude. I mean... I was sweating everywhere. I could sweat <laughs> under my tits, my belly, my balls, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I told you, like, I was messaging you before before I left. I was like, man, this is the first time I'm nervous to see a movie. I was like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm starting to get, like, sh- the shakes. And, like, yeah. I, I walked into the theater, and I was like, I sat down, and I was just, like, quiet. I just, like, kept my head down, and I was like, all right. I was, like, getting in a state of mental clarity, I was blocking. That's what I wanted. To, that's what I want to mention about the second viewing. There is a new level of clarity when you go into it now, and that 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 the, the clarity allows you to focus more on what what was going on, what JJ and Chris and cast and crew were trying to do. And I did come away from my second screening with uh, much more of appreciation for that chaotic pace. Uh, how it was resolved, uh, some of the moments where, I mean, they were clearly designed for Star Wars fans to kind of hit you a little bit. You know, they, they played the perfect musical tracks from John Williams' catalog to kind of ratchet up the emotions. But I just, I really felt like a second screening helped to cement my overall opinion of the film, which was, it's pretty damn good. It, it is different. It is going to catch you off guard a bit the first time you watch it. I mean, just like TLJ was unique in the way Ryan told that story and how, you know, the professional critics ate that one up because it was more, uh, you could argue, an artistic taste where, or pace, where this one is pure kind of just popcorn fucking fan service in your face. You guys want this shit? Here you go. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing that that we talked about a little bit is, you know, when you see professional critics reviews, a lot of them will just take a ton of points off for stuff like that, for fan service and for for kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, pandering to the fan base of whatever it is. But like as a Star Wars fan and as Star Wars fans, that's the kind of shit that we eat up. (laughs) Yeah, put put the words together, fan and service. How are we going to hate that? Yeah, like when we see Chewie get the medal at the end from Maz Kanata, uh. we're like, yes, thank you. Like, you know, Chewie finally got his due. And, and, you know, when we see Leia's saber for the first time and we're like, oh, my gosh, like this is the, the shit that we've always wanted. Like professional critics and, and people who aren't, I don't want to say aren't fans of Star Wars, but don't but don't want to see things that I know exactly what you you're know, talking about. You and th- this happens with MCU movies and really fictional movies in general. You, you can tell there's a set of critics out there that when they get the assignment, you can you can see you can feel their eyes rolling like fuck. Yeah. These, you know, like the the Scorsese arrogant take on the MCU. That shit. Like, oh my god, these fucking bullshit movies. These are, this isn't cinema. It's like, go fuck yourself, dude. I mean, honestly. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when fans see this movie, and again, if you haven't seen it, you should probably stop watching. 
uh, or listening <laughs> yeah. right now. <laughs> well, sorry, I did. Yeah. I did say spoilers. Yeah, but when fans see this movie, they are going to appreciate what's in it. And if you're one of those fans who's like, I didn't want fan service, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, like, I don't see any reason that people who liked the Last Jedi wouldn't like this movie, and I don't see any reason that that people who dislike the Last Jedi would would like you know would dislike this movie. That this movie is for Star Wars fans. It's for fans of all types, whether you're fans of the prequels, whether you're fans of the original trilogy, whether you're fans of the sequels. Like, there's no reason, and there's nothing that's in this movie aside from that that like jarring, frantic pace in the beginning, like Matt said. But then, you know, once you move past that, the story that's being told, and the the way that it's executed, I thought was very strong. Oh yeah, wow. there's direct nods to all three generations. I mean, I I, I really enjoyed how they shot the uh, speeder chase on Pasana because that to me was a, a a straight up homage to the pod race. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. the, the way they're weaving through that canyon and some of the camera angles and just some of the action taking place. Uh, clearly, the nods to the original trilogy. We we were getting through Billy D and and the fleet arrival. Uh, and then uh, obviously we, the, the the much clear focus, laser focus on the relationship between the the new trio. So, uh, I mean, we're we're pretty glowing over it right now. I, I, last night, if we would have done this cast, I think my tune would have been slightly different. So it, it is not a perfect movie, and even as big as a fan as, as I am of it, the, the first time I did see it is, it is, it is jarring. I know we said that a few times. I, I wish I was smarter to use different adjectives and whatnot, but it's neither here nor there. So, uh, but seeing it the second time, I just, I feel so good about this movie now. I really do. And I don't want it to sound like I needed to see it twice to justify the way I liked it. I, I really did enjoy it the first time. Uh, the second time, I was just able to relax. I wasn't on edge just because of my natural human anxiety. And it just allowed me to, you know, kind of like Ray, just take some deep breaths and say, be with me. And I just I just watched it and just fucking let myself feel it, experience yeah. it again. And, and I, I think my biggest complaint still, and I'm going to blame this on fucking JJ because he, he lied to us. We never got the goddamn resolution to the lightsaber. No, yeah, we didn't get the resolution <laughs> to the light, to the lightsaber at all. But like, there's also, and, and like, this is why I mentioned very early when we started, like the, the cuts, because there's a couple of things that that were teased that I don't think paid off. Like, I remember e- either JJ or Anthony Daniels, or maybe it was both of them saying, like, you you've never seen C3PO like this before. Well, and that's I, just I, not. Like, yeah, I didn't agree with it. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, they definitely gave him, he, he felt like he was back in Empire Strikes Back, where he, he they gave him more of the comedic lines or, or had him interacting to make people laugh. Uh, it, it was, you know, kind of funny how he's like, hey, I can't tell you this, that, and the other thing. And when he had his memory wiped, that was kind of silly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was, was clearly used probably more extensively than, than ever before. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't like he died or anything. You know, it's, it, there was no s- ultimate sacrifice. So yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think you described it the best way you could. There is like it was. It was like Empire Strikes Back. Um, you know, C three PO and yeah. the way that Poe was treating him was just the way that some of the yell at. Yeah, just some of the fucking berate and yell at, and ultimately he typically helps you out. And, and this is the one time where C three PO 
uh, more or less had the R2 moment. I mean, yeah. you could argue that. He agreed to have his mind blown out. And then, and, uh, ba- how about Babu, man? I love Babu. Babu Frick was. I fucking love he's him, a dude. Highlight. He's a highlight. Uh, uh, like when he when he boots him back up, he's like, "Hi, I'm C3PO, human cyborg relation." He goes, "Hi, I'm Babu Frick." It's like, yeah. "Fuck yes, dude." Yeah, I know. Because Poe was all pissed. Poe's like, "Man, you're gonna have to fix that." And Babu was just like, "Hey, buddy, welcome back." Yeah, I like how when they're leaving that establishment too, like when they're on Kajimi and they run out. And somebody says Babu Frick, and then C-3PO's like, Babu Frick, he's one of my oldest friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just, no, that, so, I mean, I, I, I think C-3PO was probably at his comedic best in this one, if anything else. I mean, they, yeah, did, and, they had, gave him some good lines. Yeah, I can see why Daniels was so hyped for this movie, and yeah. he was, like, really, you know, drumming it up. Because he did. Like, he played a very important, and he played a more centralized role than you would usually see 3PO in. Oh, yeah. Um, so he was holding the guns. He's like, oh, my first ever laser battle. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was just like, I guess that may be what they're referring to, is like, this is the first time you've ever seen 3PO in a way where he isn't, isn't accustomed to... He's not conditioned to to be a a pussy. Like, he's not like, oh, I'm scared. I mean, he wasn't sitting there. He's just like... If this is your your people's daily lives, you're fucked up because yeah, this is like, like pure chaos. I mean, there is a moment when he literally looks at everyone like, "What the fuck's wrong with you people?" Yeah, and I mean, now that you mentioned that, like maybe you know that is JJ essentially. I don't want to say poking fun at himself for what he was doing in the movie, but like that was a very, you know, I don't. It was a very self-aware moment for the movie because the whole like. I feel like JJ knows in that moment, the crowd is like, this is chaos. Like everybody who's seen it for the first time feels like we felt they're like, Oh my God, things are happening so fast. It's so chaotic. And then C3PO essentially speaks for the crowd and says like, is this what it's like all the time? Yeah. Like, yeah, th- I, I didn't see it that way, but that's a very interesting take. No doubt. I mean, that's why you're the smart one. <laughs> we, we've established that. Uh, I think something else that you know, we kind of talked about this that, that bummed me out a little bit, but I, I have come to grips with it, and it does make sense narratively for the way this the, this film was resolved, and ultimately the the nine films. Uh, but you know, making Ray essentially a force god by giving her Palpatine royalty, because we've argued in the past Palpatine could be the strongest force user in this whole Skywalker saga. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so. There you go. I mean, it's, it, it mirrors again the original. Uh, you had the the evil grandfather with a or the evil father with the son coming through, and now we have the evil grandfather with a granddaughter coming through. Yeah, I, I uh, it's a little. It just felt a little wonky to me. You know, it's like, hey, yeah, you're a Palpatine. It's like, uh, okay. It did, and this is where I start to get into. Like, I'll start to mention my thoughts on on this whole idea that I have that that what JJ essentially did with Tross was he tried to fit as much of his version of episode eight. Oh, for damn a- sure. Into this movie for damn sure. And this is a spot specifically with like the granddaughter thing that would have probably been explored a little bit more because w- like we have no idea who these characters are. Like it's fine that they left them like your, your parents were nobodies, but they weren't. It's Palpatine's son, right? Like who chose to like, like just not 
be associated with them. And that, yeah, yeah, that was like the, that was the way they honored Ryan's take on it. They're like, yeah, they were they chose to be nobodies, even though yeah. they were a fucking Sidious or yeah, Sidious's fucking offspring. Yeah, and look, I mean, maybe people who aren't as as into like the the nitty gritty of the lore as Matt and I are would be able to just shake that off and say, and like, that's what okay. it is, right, Nick? It's not so much that they made her a Palpatine and Palpatine had a kid. It's like, all right, well, paint us a little more of a picture of that. Yeah, it's like we're supposed to believe that that he's like he walks up to somebody, he's like, "Hi, I'm Chief Palpatine. This is my son, Steve Palpatine." Right, and right. then he just walks away. Fucking Chief and Steve, I love it, dude. I mean, <laughs> we, we need a new series. That's a new Disney Plus series. The fucking yeah. Sheev and Steve show. It's like a like a buddy cop show. <laughs> I mean, that is basically how they played Sheev it off. And they were Steve. just like, like he just he was just no, like, I, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But it, but in the end, it's like hey, whatever. They they needed to get get it to this point. They needed to uh, get her to where she could be validated as this insane force power user, which I think was just showcased brilliant in, the, in this film. I mean, my god. Yeah, I mean, Ray is a fucking force goddess. Yeah, I mean, she is an unbridled, and, and so is Ben. Power. For all you yeah. know, let, let's let's for those of you that get butthurt over powerful women in Star Wars, I mean, shit, they 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 showed that they truly were this dyad thing that that Ben told her about. They were essentially two halves of the same mega force being. Yeah, and if you think about it, with the now newly established canon. Technically, Ben, I mean, it depends on what you consider a father. Like, and I'm not talking about like a father who raises you. I'm talking about like a biological father. So like we now know in canon that that Palpatine is essentially Anakin Skywalker's dad. Like he created him through the force. So, I mean, in a way, these two characters with Ben Solo being the grandfather of Anakin Skywalker, whose father was Palpatine. And then you have the granddaughter of Palpatine. Like these two characters are semi like related in a way. And like this dyad between these two characters is a, you can buy it. And again, I think that this, the the whole concept of this dyad is something that would have probably been explored further. If JJ had more time, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. it's just but it's like still, that's... It, it still works. And like I said, second screening, it feels even more natural is what I've been trying to say. And I know it's always going to come off as like I'm excusing things. It's it's that's not it. I just I really felt a, a whole new sense of appreciation for how the movie kind of plays out, even with its issues here and there. And, and there are a ton of plot conveniences. I'm not sitting here glossing over and saying this movie's perfect. It's not. I mean, there's a lot of like, hey, we just need these people over here. So, bing, bang, boom, there's a thingamajig. Wazam! And they're there. Yeah. It's like, okay. Uh, it's like, all right, well, there we go. I mean, just I, I, the intern and I, as soon as the crawl went through, we're like, okay, well, we're getting right fucking to it. Shit. I mean, the crawl just fast forward the whole Palpatine thing. And then before you know it, within five minutes, you got Kylo talking to him. Yeah, I mean, it, I did not, not that I ever expect that we would have that moment between Kylo and Palpatine within the first 10 minutes. Of even, the even the leaks didn't get that uh, yeah. right. And speaking of the leaks, I, I forgot I wanted to do a, a little blurb on that. I, I, will, I have to 100% say that doing the leaks killed this movie in terms of any of the surprises from top to bottom for me. It yeah. was one of the worst experiences of my life. 
It's probably another reason why my second screening was better because I didn't have that burden weighing on my soul of, man, you really fucked this up for yourself, didn't you? You really fucked this up. You and your little Star Wars time bullshit that no one really cares about anyways, and you still fucking read those leaks. That turned out to be about 85% fucking true. So people don't (laughs) do leaks. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. Yeah, I mean, this, like I said before, we're, we're not doing leaks for any more Star Wars content that comes out. Um, so don't expect it from the Star Wars time Get show. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. You guys are psychos that want leaks like that. Man, I, I don't know how you could... Because I, I, I was watching it through the intern. Yeah. And seeing his reactions to the moments I knew were coming, I, it was killing me. It was killing me inside. I'm like, fuck, fuck. I knew it. I knew this would happen. Yeah. But anyways, back on to it. I mean, do you have – we've we just been kind of general spitballing now. We do have a list of kind of moments that uh, I've, I've punched up, and I, I mean, you're free to add to it, Nick, but just moments that kind of stood out to me. They were fun, or it was like, ooh, that was interesting, or that was emotional. So is there anything else you have to kind of lay down on your initial screening of The Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, so – I, I really feel like for cat like we've maybe we have communicated this like for casual fans like you mentioned your mom like I feel like they would love it because they don't care nearly as much about like you know the the more in depth explanations yeah, the, the behind a lot stuff, of things that happen like the nuts and yeah. bolts yeah and for us I feel like we almost go into a Star Wars movie at like a disadvantage because we are looking for things like that. It's, it's, it's not to say, I'm not trying to say that like we can never be f- pleased by a star Wars film, but like we will always exit a star Wars right. film wanting more. And, and that's why honestly, I think TFA at this point in time is my, my top to this trilogy because I, I distinctly remember going in with lower expectations cause I still had shell shock from the prequels all those years later but I also remember coming out going like that was damn near perfect. That's exactly what I needed to see for this new trilogy and to kind of reignite my fandom again. Cause I, I like Luke did on Acto, I essentially stepped away from star Wars as he did from the force yeah. for all those years. I mean, the only thing I would dabble in were the clone wars, anything else, I couldn't bring myself to watch the movies. So uh, I guess I can say I relate to some of you. They're having major issues with these new movies, but I still contend if you just want to talk about storytelling in general and just narratives, these new movies are better films than the prequels. It's it's not even close in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that like what I want to do is like we'll eventually circle around to like our feelings on the trilogy as a whole and, and how we think it could have been made better. What, what do we think could have been improved? Like we'll get to that um, a little bit later, but like in, in terms of particular moments for me, like the moment and, and like, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's something with me about like friends showing up and like in force to help people who are in dire need. But like, when I had tears, like I had tears roll, like I could wipe them from my cheeks when like Poe is sitting there and they're, they're on Exegol. Shit is done. Like, yeah, he, he throws in the towel. He's like, we're fucked. He's like, he's I, like I was wrong. We're done. Yeah. He's like, this, this is it. And then, then you hear Lando 
over the the intercom. Yeah, it's a very on your left type of moment. Yeah, and the, and the whole thing, the whole fleet shows up, and this is the moment that got me in Endgame too, when when Captain America and Thor were sitting there and they were fighting, and and Iron Man, they were all fighting Thanos. When those portals opened up and everybody came through. I was a ball of tears. And it's the same thing that happened to me here with Tross. Like those types of moments always hit me hard. And it's, it's like that turning point moment. It's, it's the moment that, you know, cause you know, going into a film like this, the good guys are going to win. Like you can't help it. But when you get so caught up in the story, like you do with star Wars films and with Marvel films, you forget, like you, you, you have a cognitive dissonance where you're like, "Oh my gosh, like this could really." Like, I mean, dude, Palpatine that shit the Palpatine was doing with the lightning was pretty fucking impressive too. Yeah. I was like, "Holy shit!" I was like, "Maybe fucking Palpatine. Maybe that's how this goes out, and Palpatine wins." <laughs> and then, like, they come in, and you see everybody. You see Wedge, and you see all of these ships that you've seen yeah. before, and then it just hit me, and I was like. <gasps> And that was it. I was like, that was the moment for me in this movie. I could not find was, the Colossus, but man, that I mean, was a yeah, mess was of ships, too. dude. That was a mess of ships. Yeah. I did see the ghost a few times with the yeah, Colossus. I, I was looking for it. I, I mean, that moment to me was as close as I've gotten in the the second two in, in TLJ and in Tross uh, to, to how I was when, when Ray pulled the lightsaber in TFA. Like that was that that moment for me in in Tross, and it really like from that moment on, I was just like, you know, yeah, maybe well, this is the best Star Wars movie ever. <laughs> I'll kind of piggyback off of that with a with another moment that, the, especially the second time I saw it, really started to have those Ray Force pull the saber for me, and it was what I'm calling the the Jedi pep talk at the yeah. end, where you know Ray's essentially. Knocked out, Palpatine's fully regenerated, the dude is macked up. Let me essentially saying, I have every Sith within me at this point. I am the Sith. Uh, so he's, he's pretty fucking supercharged. And she's laying there, and it's kind of a callback to an earlier scene where she's just saying, be with me, be with me, kind of meditating. Mm-hmm. And then they all come through, and you hear the voices of Obi-Wan, you hear Anakin, you hear Kanan. Uh, Ahsoka, then you got some far out ones like Luminara and Adigalia and Eilis Cura, uh, Yoda, obviously, Mace. And it just, Clark it was, God. it had that, that inspiration because obviously they're playing the Force music. I think it might have been the Skywalker theme. And she crosses the blades. She's like, Wah! and fucking melts Palpatine's face. And I'm like, oh shit, I don't think I'm going to be able to bring my three and a half year old to this after all. And she's <laughs> like, <"Wah!"> <laughs> so. I really uh, the the Jedi pep talk like if you hear what they're saying to her it it is kind of it, it's motivational it definitely strikes some of those uh, emotional chords that I was looking mm-hmm. for yeah um, and you know that brings in like that pep talk brings in one of the moments that we've been talking about since Tross was announced like that was Hayden like Hayden's moment like you know he wasn't there in, in full body full force yeah he's form, like but like what did he say he said. Be he the said, chosen one like me or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's like, bring balance to the force like, like I, I did. Like I did, there, yeah. Yeah, and, and like, you know, it's not exactly what we wanted, but like, you know, to, to hear that from from Anakin Skywalker, like the entire right. catalyst to this series, I think was a very wise move by J.J. Like, 
and I, I will say that, that the, the entire scene that surrounded this moment, like that arena where that, where, where that, that, Oh yeah. Uh, with all those like Sith shadow figures. Sith, like, I don't know what they were. I don't know if they were like ghosts of long dead Sith or if they were like Sith loyalists that had already gathered at Palpatine's side. Right. But like the chanting every time that he said something, the, it felt like such an oppress like you could feel the oppressiveness that that oh, oh dude th- this was like that was that all where Exegol in general was ancient Sith like it was like Kotor level Sith stuff yeah. where where it was the religion basically yeah I mean I thought that that was so well executed and I I, I mean that in, in itself makes this film just. A, a beautiful thing to watch for Star Wars fans, like it—it it, it is just so powerful that moment, right? You know, when when kind of going back to the to pep that. talk, would you have liked to have seen some of the ghosts? I mean, obviously they they didn't do that just to not have to pay the people more than just using their voices. But do you oh. think it would have hit better if Anakin was actually there, or they were like reaching down to say rise and kind of picking her up with the you I, know? That's exactly what I was gonna say. It's like if there was one of them, if there was, you know, either An- like to me, it's got to be Anakin or or Obi. Yeah, I was I was thinking Anakin. This goes back to where I early in the week. I'm like, damn it, dude, I got another thing spoiled for me. And that some asshole took a picture of the fucking credits, and his name is first. Hayden, really? Yeah, because of Anakin. Yeah, yeah. A- and I was like. Oh fuck, man! Now I ruined that too. So I really thought we were gonna get some Force Ghost stuff because I didn't. As soon as I saw that, I closed this little pop up on my Mac, and I didn't see the other list of fucking Jedi to put two and two together. But yeah, I, I, I was hoping he might have might have showed up. Yeah, but I mean the way that they did it, I like. You know, I would have. I thought it would have been cool to see her be pulled up, but the fact that she stood up on her own. And, you know, right. was then empowered by the, you know, the thousand generations of Jedi who came before, her, as Luke said, I thought it was a wonderful moment. And like the fact that she was using Leia's blade, I think meant a lot to to me. And I think it, it meant more to her. Right. to use Leia's blade than it did to use Luke's. I, I love that whole thing. And that, that is one thing, the, the leaks, I think, I, luckily I just forgot about or that wasn't in the leaks. But I, I'm glad that whole, I, I loved just the, the you know, we knew, we knew the flashback was coming from the leaks. But I, I, I just, I like that we got to see it. I, I the, You know, obviously I think Leia's face looked a little wonky. I mean, it looked like we were watching fucking Battlefront 2, to be honest with you. Um, but I like the moment. I mean, I like that yeah. it showed like how far Leia had trained. I mean, Luke essentially said on the last night of her training, I mean, yeah. she was beating his ass and sparring. And, uh, you know, Yoda always said that Leia should have been the one that needed to be trained, not Luke. Cause Luke was more like his dad had that, that head to him. Uh, but I just, it, I love the fact that, you know, they, they tried their best to, I think, get to where they wanted to go where Leia was, a Jedi master finishing Ray's training. And we'll kind of get into another top moment through this. But as we were talking about it, you know, if Carrie was still here and kind of the things we've heard from Todd and whatever, and Colin, there was a really good chance. Leia probably would have been with Ray or shown up right in the nick of time during Ray and Kylo's duel, where he essentially was just 
beating her down with the force like darth yeah. vader style swings she was taking the same type of heavy swings but just wearing out wearing out wearing out and then what happens his fucking mom uses the last bit of her energy to bust through his nonsense and you know if carrie was still here i think she would actually showed up and he would either have killed her and then realized like oh man or we're doing the same thing, like a talk, and they would all left all happy and this, that, and the other thing. But that that moment, for what they had to work with, Nick, I, I think that's the best way they could have had Leia go out with that last reach out to her son. It snapped him, allowed Ray to do her thing, which further woke him up and kind of shocked Ray in the same. And it, it honored Leia, like Ray yeah. realized when she killed his her son, like oh fuck, what what have I become now? Yeah, I agree. I think that. That was the most fitting way to do it. And I know that I think JJ did as much as he could with what he had of the carry footage. Yeah. And I think he used it to good effect. Yeah. I will say that the one thing that annoyed me about that scene is that he spoiled that whole moment for himself by showing her healing that snake. Like, I think... I don't think you need to establish that power before she uses it because. If, well, how they, if, they, they, I mean, you could argue that's half the reason they dropped Mando early this week to, to try yeah. to get people ready for that. And I even mentioned that in the recap and review. I'm like, this is, this is possibly by design for all these mega force powers we've been hearing about that they're going to be on display. And my God, were they on display? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a ton of them. Those, but those, like, dude, those force flash fights, fuck. Those were awesome. Those were those were really fucking cool. But that moment for me, like, it would have been elevated just a little bit more if you leave out the bullshit with the snake because I don't think you need to establish that she could do that. Yeah, I like, agree. You're right. You, it it would have hit, hit even more. But I, yeah. I was going to say, from the moment she says Ben all the way to the end of the Han exchange... Mm-hmm. the emotions are are dialed in perfectly there. Like, yes. I, I mean, I, you feel something that entire time. It, it, I think it's almost like a three to five minute sequence yeah. from the moment uh, Leia says Ben till Ben has the full redemption moment. I loved, you know, just the casual yeah. thing where Harrison's like, I know. Yeah, he, I mean, he, that he was... didn't make Ben say, I'm sorry, dad. And he throws the saber. So, yeah. I, and like, I don't know if it's just that I didn't read that far in the leaks or if it wasn't in the leaks or if I had forgotten, but like I didn't know that Harrison was in this movie. Like I assumed. Uh, no, I knew, I knew that. That's yeah. why we were having that one talk where, you know, Richard E. Grant's like, I can't believe this one character had this moment. I was like, oh, he's talking about the fucking Han moment. And yeah, I thought I, you I were was... just playing around. And that's why I was like, hey, anyone who wants to know or anyone that wants to see what I'm guessing, hit me up. So, of course, Greg hit me up. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, it's Han. He's like, you were right. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, because I like I was sitting there and I was trying to think too. I'm like, am I missing something when you were going through that with me? And I was like, man, I just don't know. So when he turned around and he was there, I like that hit me in a way where I was like, holy, sh-. like, wow. Like, yeah, I don't know how it happened. And I don't know if this is something that is if that was one of the new mega force powers where like Kylo can essentially commune with his father's spirit, even though his father wasn't a force user. Hey, he's just but, like, I, I like how they did it. I mean, they, they clearly delineated this is he's not a force ghost. It was just yeah. like any other movie where a character has a vision. I mean, he was just yeah. seeing what was in his head and 
because it's film and we're stupid people, they needed to show us Han there. Yeah, and the fact that the conversation, the the things that Kylo, that oh, Ben yeah. said in that moment was the, were same, the thing. same things that he said in TFA, I thought were really, right. really poignant. I yeah, mean, it showed that he he did he he came full circle, and at the root of it all, the 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 thing that got him to to turn were his parents. It started yeah. with his mom, and then his dad sealed the deal right there. Yeah, and I mean that was another moment where I I got teary eyed and. That, like, you could say whatever you want. Like, some people wanted Ben Demption. Some people didn't want it. But I feel like you you needed to have that moment. Oh, it was coming all along. Come on, dude. I mean, yeah. it, that's one thing we can pat ourselves on the back. We called it. I mean, I called it 100%. <laughs> he even, let, let's get right into it. I mean, Ben's death. I mean, he sacrificed himself for Ray, as I said yeah. he would. It happened in a way I didn't expect. I mean, I guess you could argue... No, because, I mean, Ray was dead, and yeah, he Ray essentially had to give all of his force energy to her to bring her back, where she was just healing wounds. Yeah, he uh, was healing death. He, exactly. he literally, he did what Palpatine always wanted to be able to do. Like, he saved somebody else from death. Like, think about exactly. that moment back exactly. in fucking... But, but not like a Opera Sith. House. He he didn't like pass his soul. He allowed Ray yeah. to return. Yeah, he and just essentially you know he he fucking supercharger. He was the jump start. Yeah, uh, he, but he used his life force just like Luke did. I mean, it is essentially the same type of death. He he exerted so much force energy that it was too much. Yeah, and I thought it was a beautiful moment. I don't think. I mean, if we're going to bring up the leaks, the leaks made it seem like there was some sort of possession happening there and all this. I don't think right. that's what it was. Like, no. I think she, she was just dead. Like, she had well, She was dead as fuck. She didn't blink. I was like, Jesus Christ, Daisy Ridley, would you do tape your fucking eyes shut open, like yeah. uh, wide open? Because she doesn't blink for four minutes or so. Yeah, I mean, so that was a, a spot where the leaks were off. And I'm glad that they didn't do that. I'm glad that they didn't do this whole yeah, possession no, it was, thing. I, I really enjoyed how the uh, the whole climax played out between those three. Palpy, yeah. the last Skywalker, and then Rey. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the entire climax of this film, like I said, from... like, just, How I, about just Rey in general, dude? How about that? I mean, dude, I, I thought she was fantastic. I mean, Daisy just had her on edge the entire film. Like, she... There was, to me, the way she the way she was portrayed in this movie. That's how Anakin should have been portrayed. Where you know you, okay, there's some there's the hints of darkness. Oh, there's yeah. another hint of dark. There it is. There's the power. Okay, yeah. people fucking with her. All right. So I kind of like how edgy Ray was in this, and obviously Daisy just fucking smoked the emotional moments. I mean, it when when she like- had that talk with Ben after she stabbed him, she's like, I wanted to take. Ben's, Ben's hand, hand. Yeah. is like, damn, man, that was great. But she was just excellent, dude. I mean, I phys- mean th- physically, emotionally, loved her. The the three that I called out specifically in my review, because, again, like, <clears throat> the, the acting is top-notch in this film. Like, it sings. And the three that I call out in particular are Daisy, Oscar, and Ian. And I have to say, Ian was brought to this earth born as a human yes, being to, to play yes, Palpatine. 100%. 100%. That they are one and the same. I mean they, they they are the same person. He is just so damn good at playing the most evil and badass Sith ever. 
Yeah. I, like, I, from the moment that I saw him, there was like a second in my head, like when, when it first came around, I was like, does he still have it? Like, it's been such a long time. But like he turned, when, when he flips that Palpatine switch, he, he is that person. Like, I'll and, tell you what, dude, I think uh, Palpatine looks better half dead than fully rejuvenated. Rejuvenated, yeah. he gets all his wrinkles back and shit. I know, it was weird, right? I love the completely white eyes, like the, the no color in the eyes, the way that he was like, the way that they portrayed him was perfect. And like, does it, again, like, does it annoy me as a psycho Star Wars fan that we didn't get some sort of like, how did he live moment? Like, how is he still alive? Well, kind of, but... I, I agree. Beyond. Yeah, I mean, lore hounds. Of course, I'd like the details, but more or less, when Ben walks down there, you see these fucking huge tanks of probably Bacta and whatever, and he's got all these technicians working on it, and he's essentially dangling from this uh, mechanical arm. And I don't even know if he yeah. had fucking legs or anything, and his fingers were all eroded. So, it, and they, it's a perfect line, a perfect throwback to the prequel. The you know, prequel. All you tell me is the best. You know, some consider. The dark side, a, a pathway to abilities some consider unnatural, right? I mean, yeah. there you go. That's all you need to know, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, they showed the depths of what that that machinery was doing. Because, like, like, when he touches them, like, his fingers break off, and then they grow back. So, like, you know that he's just constantly in a state of, like, decay and then reformation. I also thought it was cool that they showed Snoke cut in half in that fucking tank, like... There was like oh there's there's a bunch of Snoke so I mean yeah. Snoke truly was just a he was a, he was a puppet yeah he was just like the, a bunch of different versions that that Palpatine had been throwing out in the galaxy I guess to see when it, when it would catch I mean I I loved that whole thing around it like Ian Palpatine the the storyline like everything around Palpatine I I truly fucking just loved. It, it was so well done. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Oscar, I yeah, think. I was going to say, I mean, Poe, dude, was just fantastic. I mean, I, I think it was kind of cool. They made, they gave, he's Han Solo at this point. I mean, he's a fucking reformed spice runner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he basically takes up the mantle of Han, he, even so much as, you know, he, he was flying the Falcon for, for uh, the, the beginning of the movie. And, Oh, you know, that was he, great. I mean, I love that that action sequence where the, the, this new concept of light speed jumping because obviously, well, there's one thing they picked up from TLJ, right? Now you yeah. can follow people through uh, hyperspace. But yeah. I loved how JJ utilized that and motherfuckers were like jumping right into cities, right into other planets. So that, that was a pretty fucking thrilling opening to that. And I just right how it opens with Kylo fucking owning people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, slicing I people in half. I'm like, yes, that's kind of like that Darth Vader Rogue One stuff, but even more visceral. Yeah, it was fucking fantastic. I mean, the light skipping, yeah, that was great. And again, like, if I want to be like a complete nerd, like, that's again, like a foreshadowing to what that whole beginning of the movie, because that again happens within the first five minutes. Like, that's that's JJ saying, like, get ready, because we're going to be light skipping the fuck out of all these plot points that we need to hit before we can get into our you know our yeah climax. that's exactly right <laughs> like, that's exactly I mean, right but, i don't know i mean just yeah. like as we sit here and talk about more and more like i'm more pleased with what i saw and I, I hope other fans experience that too because 
yeah, there's a lot of negativity negativity surrounding this movie. Naturally, that's just how Star Wars is these days. But I just I think if you see it again, the first time you saw it, and you're like, yeah, there's a lot. See it again. I'm telling you, sit down, talk to another Star Wars buddy, because I'm having a damn good time just reminiscing about what I've seen, what I liked, even what I didn't like. So continuing on. Um, I, I kind of dug Zori. I mean, I, I said Zori and Babu. We already talked about Babu, but I, I thought Zori worked. She was fun and kind of gave Poe a little more backstory. And I love that moment at the end where he gives her the, like, you want to fuck wink? Yeah, like literally, like he tilts his head <laughs> over like, hey, you want to go on the ship? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like the- it, she wasn't just throw away. I mean, she had that moment where she comes in and uh, kind of blows up that fucking gun. So I, I, I thought she was a cool addition to the cast as, as a background character. Yeah, yeah. They used her to good effect. And I mean, that was one of, I mean, like if you want to look at, at Zori, um, like, yeah, she was a plot device. She was one of the plot conveniences that was in this movie, but she was used far past that as well. Like, you know, she was the one who was able to hook him up with Babu Frick. She was the one who gave him the, yeah. the metal medallion to get on the ship. But then that's not all that she does. Like, she comes back. She's there for the resistance, and, and she's there in the end. And she does. She enhances the character of Poe a lot, I think. Another another new one who I actually found to be uh, awesome, and I loved how this character arc played out. But uh, General Legion or Legion General Pride, man, I, I thought Richard Grant was fantastic. He did. He he killed it, and he because he was like that that human slug servant to the emperor all along. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I know. Did you get the line where he's like, you know, just as I served you in the other in the Empire? I mean, I, I don't know if we because remember he hinted like maybe. People will know who I, but I still don't see the connection. Either way, he he played that type of just non-force-powered superstar character perfectly. Yeah, and I mean, he he kind of hinted towards the fact that they built his character similar to um, si- similar to to Grand Moff Tarkin, and I could see shades of Tarkin in there. Uh, exactly. Like, He's and, just as heartless. And, I mean, I love how he just blows away fucking hucks. That was fantastic. Yeah. He's like, we found our, we found our yeah. mole. Boom. And then he's just. As a, again, a perfect end for Hux, in my opinion. I loved it. Yeah. And the, to know that he has been at the, you know, working with the emperor the whole time kind of makes sense. It, it, it lends credence to the fact that that, you know, essentially the first order was nothing but a you know a pawn of the empire the whole time or the final order a pawn well, of yeah, the I final mean, order hey, the whole time. Well yeah, I mean hey, first if you got a first you got to have a final and that's 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 what his plan. I mean, but all along it, this is he had his empire, he had Operation Cinder to start setting up the first order, the first order hit the mark he needed and then it became the final order. So uh, I, I, I just really like pride and I, I loved his death. I mean, it was a violent death. I mean, you could, you could actually oh, see him the, get exploded out yeah. of that fucking, like, out of the bridge. When I saw that, I, I physically, I was like, oh man. Like, right. Cause you, oh. you didn't get to see Tarkin really get to watch him explode. You got to see that guy explode. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he, like you see his back, like almost break, like the way that they filmed it, the way they shot it, like. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do enjoy it. And I mean, like, Matt, like, this is 
so weird because like I feel like people could and I don't know Matt you may be able to tell me I feel like people could read my review and think that I didn't like this film but clearly I'm a huge fan of it I mean I don't oh, I know. know I know I mean it's just like I said I can't wait to see how you feel after number two because if we talked last night I think I would be much more down than, than I am now not in a negative way just kind of like you know man that pace was like whoo yeah ooh really enjoyed it but it's like it's just kind of shoveling shit down our face for the first 40 50 minutes uh but that second screening really put things into perspective and and as i said gave me a new level of clarity so i i don't know i just i didn't find your review to be that you hated it i i, I was sitting there nodding along with it like these are valid points but it doesn't make it a bad movie you know what i mean so yeah um, and like that's you know, that's kind of the way that I, that I felt about it. Like, that's the way that I felt about it initially coming out. I was like, I enjoyed this movie and I know that I like this movie, but I also know that there were, that there are legitimate criticisms that can be made about it. And like, Oh yeah. Like are, if you just want to talk like straight up storytelling or filmmaking, yes, you could, you could pick some holes in this big time, but Hey, we're not, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not here to do that. I, I liked it. I'm not going to shit on it just to shit on it. I'm not going to fall into the trap of, hey, if you hate on something these days, you're going to get likes, more likes, more clicks, whatever. You know, fuck it. Who cares? Yeah. Um, so something that I predicted actually played out with ha- without having to read the leaks, and that was the demise of the Knights of Ren at the hands of Mr. Ben Solo. You know, remember, that's something I said I would like to see. Yeah, uh, and I got it, and I, I loved the moment. I loved how they did it. I, you know, they were setting up the fact that Ray and Kylo could now interact through the Force across time and space, essentially. Yeah, they, uh, they do that fucking lightsaber pass. And did you see? I, I mean, I'll point it. I'm pointing it out now, so look for it in your second viewing here. But when he gets that lightsaber, he pauses for a second and just kind of does a like a move like, all right, guys, this is how it's going to fucking go down. You know, like we used to be boys, but now you're going to fucking die. Yeah. It's just like, like a perfect, like, a, um, so I, I, yeah, the, the Knights of Ren ultimately were kind of useless. We didn't really get to see them do any sort of action outside of their little melee with Ben, but yeah, I was glad that he was the one that took them all out. I, I will say it felt like when I was, when I got out of it, I could feel that JJ wanted to use them more because he puts them in key places. Like, yeah, I, I feel like he probably cut the scene where they actually are the ones that arrest Chewbacca. Cause I remember yeah. that from the leaks where they're the ones that like Chewbacca and them kind of have a little fight, but they overpower them and, and arrest them. And I guarantee that's something that ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. And like, I feel like, like he established those characters and I know he wanted to use them. Cause like, they they follow him to Kajimi. They kind of show up in the hallway in Kajimi. How about they're, their they're ship, right dude? With that its exhaust pretty, and space, yeah. I love that. It's I like a big love ass that. like eighteen wheeler that's just spilling exactly. smoke behind. Like so, I mean, it, it really does harken to their motorcycle gang mentality and in, in kind of construct. I I just I thought that was a fucking fantastic touch. Yeah. Uh, other great touches. I, I got to give uh, Eunice credit for the way he handled uh, Chewie's learning of Leia's death because the way he just physically reacts to that and then the cry outs I was just like you know Christ if you think about what Chewie is experiencing in that moment all his friends are now gone 
Yeah. Like Outside he's... of Lando. I mean, his closest friends are gone. Han, Luke, and Leia are now dead. Yeah, I, I mean, that was another one that tugged And like you on said, with the metal was just a cherry on top for all of that, too. It was like Chewie is the last of the core that made it out. Yeah, and we, you know, I, I, I don't know if I could have handled Chewie dying in this movie, but the way that, that, that he was portrayed in this film by Eunice, the way that they, they wrote those parts for him, I think were excellent. I mean, the way that he was fucking, like, one one moment that I think that, that, like, really kind of bypassed my mind until just now when we're talking about Chewie was the moment right after the speeder chase on Pasana where they're all just sitting there and it's a giant gunfight and they're all just fucking shooting these, like, yeah. the, the, the troopers out of the air. I, I love that. And that was another highlight for Chewie. And I think that, like, the way that Eunice portrayed him, the way that they wrote those key moments, those big key moments for him were fantastic. And it, it goes to show you that like, you know, that, that Chewie is a character that, that will forever be associated with, I mean, basically with all of the trilogies now, like he, he made it through all of them and he, we may see him again in the future. I just, you know, yeah. Like the reverence that they showed him was special in this movie. Yeah, it was good. It was good stuff. Uh, another new character. I, I actually quite enjoyed Jana as well. I thought she was cool. I mean, she brought her own. I loved her one moment on the wing of the wing of the Star Destroyer where she tosses that grenade and blows up some fucking useless Sith troopers. Yeah, uh, which we we <laughs> yeah they're just as useless of uh, as any other flavor of stormtrooper at this point. Pretty much, Sith, <laughs> Sith troopers didn't do dick shit, man. <laughs> they didn't they, do they dick were, shit. They were super hyped, and they were just like, yeah, like you said. They they, they, were they the provided thing. great uh, fodder for fodder. Ray, though. My God, dude. How about when she starts cutting them down, and she's blocking laser bolts with her hands? Yeah, I know. That was great. Like, that's some that's shit. That's Darth that Vader I, shit. Like, yeah. it, it, and he, he even let the bolts hit his hands. She's just, like, fucking throwing them out of the way. Yeah, like, that's some stuff. That I was like, oh, they went like full Jedi Fallen Order here because I've like I've been playing the game a lot and I was like, oh, she's basically like slowing these bolts down and just throwing them back. Oh yeah, like, I mean that was an, another. She got very violent, like a Rogue One Vader. I mean, just cutting people down, throwing bolts at people. Uh, you had the like the fucking ship grab tug oh, of yeah. war between those two and then her lightnings like i just i loved that jj's like you know what fuck it man let's dial the force up to a thousand and he did it for ray and ben i mean they were just doing some insane shit yeah and uh, i mean you actually had the call out of you know right before i think it was the last it was it was the last cast we did you were like we may get to see like a like a Darth Nihilus force drain in this movie. And you were dead on. Cause that's exactly what fucking Palpatine yeah, did. Like another, much. another new force power that was thrown in that really kind of dialed. Wh- what up did to you 11. think of that very focused moment between Lando and Janna at the, at the end? I mean, obviously coming from the leaks, it was hinted that she is his daughter and it felt like they're almost setting up a potential spinoff. With those yeah. two, like, hey, you know, he's just like all of a sudden like, oh, sure, I don't know you. I just met you. But, yeah, let's go figure out where you came from. Yeah, I mean, if that's something that happens in, like, a Disney 
plus television That'd series, cool. I'm I'm all down for it. Because like, I, I mean, I was a little worried about what Billy would do, but he was fucking perfect, man. He, I mean, he, he completely it. recaptured Baron Landonis Balthazar the Third. Yeah, I mean, uh, he he killed it, dude. And it was money. I, it, it's funny because I was talking to my friend a lot um, about the movie, and he was like, man. I don't. Did, did you? He was like, "Do you feel like this was like a like a finality? Did you feel finality here?" And I was like, "There's a lot of stuff that could continue. Like, there's like I feel like there is a bit. Oh, of dude, finality. The, the door is open. It's just, yeah. Are they gonna do it? Are they too pussy? Uh, have they? Do they feel like they've burnt people out on Star Wars? Is the negative critical reaction to this film going to be enough to have them reconsider making any more films at all i mean who knows i mean we don't even know what the box office could be i mean Uh, the box office they said for thursday alone was 44 million which was the third highest opening for a preview night of all time so the first is endgame seconds force awakens and then now three so it's it's trending okay yeah, it's basically uh, saying they're saying 200 million is likely what it'll do in the first. But I mean, the, the the bad critical reviews will affect it because there are there are still yeah. some fucking lemmings out there that will be like, oh, fuck, if if this schmo says it's no good, then it's clearly no good. I have no brain of my own, so fuck it. Yeah, and so I mean, I I think that they did leave the door open, and we'll kind of. You right, know, and all the stars are like, I'd never do this again, blah, blah. I was like, okay, well, let's see. If you need some fucking money or if it's a good script, why not? I mean, come on. You guys were so great in it. I mean, you, we did finally get the glimpse of the three together, and it, it, it worked really well. I mean, I, I loved uh, the Finn and Poe moments. I loved the Finn, Poe, and Ray. I loved Poe and Ray, man. I, to- I told you. They had their their relationship. What it's very kind of the, the, the flirty, like, hey, you, I'm, I'm tough, you're tough. I mean, uh, yeah, we see that Ray ended up wanting to get with Ben in the end, whatever. But I could tell those two, there, there's something between Ray and Poe that this past year, a year and a half in between TLJ and, and Tross. At least yeah. for me, that's what I'm going with. But speaking of Finn, this is kind of my, the last moment and, and maybe our last point on Tross. But I think Nick has some things to say, just kind of sum up the, the new trilogy. But... Uh, when when we got, I mean, let's be real. This movie confirms that Finn is force sensitive. There, there's mm-hmm. multiple moments where you could argue they're making that point, but there is one moment in particular where it's crystal clear, and that's when Ray goes down and dies essentially, and Finn feels it on the Falcon. Just, mm-hmm. and I said it to Nick before we went live. Finn, to me, in this movie was essentially doing what Leia was starting to do at the end of Empire and Return of the Jedi, where she could hear Luke calling out to her with no training and no knowledge of her even being a Skywalker. And she could also sense that Luke was not blown up on Death Star 2. So, and that's exactly how I feel Finn was portrayed in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is definitely. It's it's unquestionable that he is force sensitive now. And I think that's and, what he wanted to tell Ray, but they never got to that conversation. Yeah, and that's. I I, I like that they did it too because it's always like you mentioned it. It had always been talked about even amongst, you know, just the the, the fans that like you know broke first order conditioning. He, there was no reason that he should have been able to do that. Like he was he was like suspiciously decent with a lightsaber, but like I can, I understand why they give him, why they give him a bit of affinity because, you know, it, it, 
enhances his character a little bit. I don't think he needed it. Like, I don't think... Well, you, you could also... He didn't need it, but you could tell with, with Jana, when he gave her his call sign, she's like, oh my God, it's you. So he, yeah. he already is a legend himself, and I don't know if he was the motivation for them to run away from the order, but like, like I said, I did like Jana. I thought she, she played a key role for stuff like that to show like, hey, yeah, Finn is this fucking legend uh, type of character at this point yeah um so i mean dude that's really all i i had to say in terms of top moments i know we we've been discussing like and kind of lamenting that when when it comes down to it does this trilogy succeed on what it set out to do back in you know 2012 i can't even believe it's been that long since this was announced i mean really even for the star wars time show i mean our roots began essentially with the for the arrival of the force awakens and yeah. now here we are this trilogy has been cast it's out the story has been told and i can tell you after seeing the final film am i satisfied yes am i as satisfied as i think i could have been based on what was explained to us when this big project started absolutely not but there's a lot of factors that played into it yeah. and a huge one an unavoidable one one that really i think fucked up a ton of plans was Carrie's death. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the, the the biggest issue, I think this is where you're going to go, was the fact that there was not a cohesive vision from the start for the trilogy. There should have been a, a writing team that was decided upon from the get-go that wrote the treatments for 7, 8, and 9. Then you could get cute with bringing in different directors because guess what? That's how the original trilogy was made, and that is the best trilogy at this point in time, and it will always be that way. The prequels, say what you will, they were wonky because George took full control again. And Star Wars, the first movie, that was George full control. It's a great movie because it's Star Wars, and it gave us this this monster that we love, but in terms of the movie, it's it's the wonkiest of the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, so the fact that they thought they could get away with bringing in three different creatives with three different visions and tell a cohesive story that was meant to mimic the original trilogy with three new leads and one big bad, it, it was foolish. And it, it, did, it did ultimately harm this trilogy. And as Nick kind of wrote in his think piece this week, it ultimately has cast a shadow now over future Star Wars and Disney Star Wars in general. And that's a bummer because I do think Tross does some great things. Um, and, and as Nick has said, it's trying to tell J.J.'s whole vision for the trilogy, which probably would have been a fantastic vision. Yeah. So, I mean, overall for me, I think that The Force Awakens... And this may be, like you mentioned, because just pure emotion of Star Wars being back in the theaters, um, the the fact that a new trilogy was launching. I think The Force Awakens was the perfect setup for this whole trilogy. And I think when, when, when TLJ came out, Andrew Reiner, and you brought this up to me when we were discussing TLJ at the release two years ago, Andrew Reiner for Game Informer, he's not there anymore, um, wrote that J.J. Abrams set the table with TFA for for the trilogy, and then Ryan Johnson flipped the table over. 
And that wasn't he wasn't putting it in a negative way. He said he was basically saying Johnson Buck convention and does and did something that we've never really right. seen in Star Wars before. And he was yeah, very I, I, and I'm not blaming Ryan. I mean, no. Ryan got hired to do what he does, write movies and direct them. Yeah, I think that there are two ways that this trilogy as an as an entire set of films could have been better. One way is you just had, like you mentioned, you either, well, one way, I'll, I'll, I'll say three. Um, one way would have just been to let J.J. have the whole thing. Of, of course. Write and um, direct the whole damn thing. Yeah. Because he, because the first 45 minutes to an hour of that movie, you could have, that could have, yeah, you could have made that an entire two, two hour and 20 minute long movie by itself. And then you have the back half of Tross you give it time to breathe and then you add exposition. Cause yeah, that's right. you, one you end episode eight with Ray finding out she's a Palpatine and then yeah. you come back. Kylo's still bad. Ray's getting darker. And then here we go. Yeah. You know, she's still, they still need to find the second wayfinder. Like there's time and what that would allow you to do. And one thing that I think is a weakness of this, of, of Tross is that there's no exposition. Right. Like if you, if you look at the, the prequel trilogy and, and you say that the weakness is all exposition. The weakness of this movie is that there's no exposition. Exactly. Like there's not exactly. time for it. You got it. that right. Yeah. So if you would have allowed JJ to own the whole thing, you would have had a much cleaner series. And I think that, that, that rise, that Tross is the best star Wars movie ever made. Oh, bar 100%, none. hundred percent. Like the way that that movie ended and the way that that movie kind of came into its own was perfect speaking of the of the the ending ending should ben have been there oh force ghost 100 percent, 100 percent. i think they're setting it more up and it, it makes sense in this light that in the end ray ultimately looked at leia and luke as her, her mentor trainer. parents you know yeah yeah exactly and that's why she took their their surrogate or their yeah their surname, so but it would have been nice to see yeah. him pop and up with mom I, and uncle. I also think that like in a way, with that whole scene at the end where where she tells that random person like you know, Ray Skywalker, some people will shit on it and say that that's just JJ shitting on Ryan. But I can I spin it a different way and say that like it's kind of acknowledging what Ryan was trying to do in in eight. Yeah. By saying that it doesn't matter what your legacy is, it, it, you choose your legacy, right. and she you doesn't want to be a Palpatine. Palpatine's a soiled name in the in the, in the galaxy. I mean, yeah, she, she is a Skywalker. It's no different than an adopted kid taking on his adopted parents' name. Yeah. So, so anyway, sorry. That, I had to go ahead. Back it, to your no. Yeah. So I think that th- that would have been the best thing to do is to have JJ own the whole thing. Number two. I think that as counterintuitive as this may seem, especially for me as somebody who was on the fence about TLJ, I think if you let Ryan have nine, you could have more seamlessly picked up from where eight left off because it's, it's hard to get past the fact that JJ essentially wanted to pick up he he basically just said, I'm going to pick up where TFA left off. I'll use the minimum amount of things right. that I they're, need they're, to Right, they're TLJ. slightly more advanced. I mean, Ray is yeah. way more advanced than the Force. 
Finn is, you know, he knows who he is now, what he wants. Poe is a little bit more of a leader. Yeah. Like, he, he, he used what he needed to, and then he basically said, I'm telling my story where I left off now. Thank you for the middle movie. I don't really need it that much. Um, but if you let Ryan own nine, I think one, the film would have been just as good. And I think it, the, the seamless, you wouldn't have had that like really awkward opening. Like you, you wouldn't have had that, that, that 45 minutes where it's like, boom, 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 boom. Here's everything we need to establish. All right, now let's go. It is. I I contend it gets better with, with time and another viewing, but I'm not going to bullshit you. When you see it for the first time, it is, you're opening your mouth and JJ's just sitting there with Star Wars going. Yeah. Um, And then like, yeah, so, like, if, I, th- I feel like if you give it to Ryan, Ryan brings it home just as well, and I think he does it in a way that more, that better incorporates all three films. Yeah, um, I, I, I doubt we get Palpatine back if Ryan I did I don't it, think though. so. Yeah, I, I don't think so. And then my third one is kind of links to that point that you just mentioned, is you don't, I don't think that this, it's going to be difficult to say this because of the fact that I really enjoy how this movie ends. And I really think it does a really fantastic job. Oh, it, of, it gives finality. There's no doubt about yeah. it. But I don't think that you need to treat this episode nine as, as what they marketed it to be. Like, I don't think that you need this movie to be the end of the end of 40 years of storytelling. Because if you like, in my opinion, <laughs> ROTJ is a finality in itself and in episode three and rots as, as you know, as questionable as the decisions were to, to, to treat Anakin the way that it did. That is a finality that leads into the original trilogy pretty well. So in my opinion, saying that nine was needed to wrap up 40 years of storytelling wasn't necessary. Like, I feel like you could have used nine as the simple end of the sequel trilogy. And then you take the burden of, of having to jam so much in away. And then you oh, yeah. allow for more open yeah, it, it, time. Dude, it, in the end, it's, it comes down to the fucking idiots run the show. And I'm not even saying Kathleen. I'm talking about the money guy. Because yeah. as much as everyone wants to blame Kathleen Kennedy, she reports to someone else that controls everything. I mean, the yeah. guy said as much when, he, when the Mando came out. I was like, yeah, I, I've seen it three times already because I watch it once, and then I give them my notes. And right there I knew, you know what? Bob Iger is a fucking asshole. Yeah, like He's he, the one that's <laughs> fucked a lot of this shit up. Yeah, and, you know, it, it was ambitious, and like that's something that I put in my, in my review is that I don't think that JJ and 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 Chris Terrio were were trying to fit as much fan service in as they could. I, that's the opposite of what they were trying to do. They were trying to fulfill the promise of this movie, yeah, wrapping up forty years of storytelling, and that's right. an almost impossible feat to do. But they did it beautifully. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think so. Like the the only other thing that I think could have benefited this movie was an extra 45 minutes to an hour. 
Like you give. Oh, dude. Like, I mean, we we aired our grievances on that hardcore, and I. I mean, I. It it played out exactly as I knew it would. Like, yeah, I was entertained, but I'll tell you what, it would have been a lot better with another, you know, thirty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there is no reason that this movie shouldn't have been Endgame length. Like, like there. Th- this is if 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 you're being sincere about this disney and this is the end all be all of what we will ever see connected to these characters in star wars then putting a two hour and 26 minute runtime on that movie is a travesty and if you give jj i don't want to you can't give him unlimited time you can't say make a four hour long movie but if you say you you can max out at 310 like endgame then three hours would have been perfect man yeah i mean i I really think that thing would have The opening would have flowed better because to me, now that I'm thinking about it more, what suffers the most to me is just the the Palpatine storyline and how the good guys react to it because it's all kind of like hunky-dory, like, oh, golly gee Williker shucks, he's back. How'd that happen? Leia's like, I know, can you believe this? It's like, what the fuck? I mean, yeah, that's very, but they had to do it. I mean, they had to just skip all that exposition to just get right to it. Yeah, and like that's, like with no exposition, that's, that's a two hour and 26 minute long movie. That's what we got. But like, yeah, if you give it 35, 40, it sings the whole way through because then you can let those moments breathe. Like, I wonder if there will become a release, the extended cut the movement extended, like there's been like, for this fucking Snyder cut movement yeah. for years on, on Justice League. I mean, I don't know. I, I would like to see the 15 minutes that he cut because like, I'm oh, yeah, to from the originally where, reported uh, runtime. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I'm I'm sitting here in my head, and I'm thinking, like, the 15 minutes had to come out of the first 45 of the movie. Oh, like, yeah. It, it oh, yeah, because that, that, that that, those are the wonkiest of moments. I mean, I'm not saying busted-ass wonky where you want to leave, but you're just going, like, okay, yeah, there we go. Yep, and we're off again. I mean, it's just, like, they used – J.J. and Chris were forced to use every plot convenience that they did. Like, yeah. the fucking, like – we knew that there was going to be some convenient. You always know in Star Wars there's going to be plot convenience because of the Force. Like that's what it's there for. Like it's, it's the there. ultimate plot armor for sure. Yeah. So like you have moments like that where like Kylo grabs a necklace off a of Pasana, but then 35 seconds later they're like, okay, this thing came from Pasana. We could tell. All right, fine. And then one mo- one moment that like I kind of internally laughed at was right up front where like she's doing her training. She's mad at herself because she failed. She gives the saber back to, to Leia. I want to earn this three minutes later. She earned it. Yeah. She, she, here you go. You earned the saber. Now get out of here. After basically I mean, yelling at Leia, like, Hey, I'm going to fucking leave. Even if you don't want me to, because you would have done it. Yeah, exactly. Like it's moments like that where you know that, that the time constraint, and I don't know who put it on there. Like, I don't know if Iger told him, you got two and a half hours, you better make Probably. it work. Like, at this point, I'm literally blaming everything on Bob Iger. I'm also blaming the fact that George wasn't at the premiere on him. Because I, I'm telling you, man, if you think about what Iger did with his book tour, he, he was essentially using anecdotes about George at George's expense to, to get headlines for his fucking book. Yeah, I mean, it was... Like, it calling was him out, like, you know, shitty. George wasn't happy, and George was whining about it, and we made him sign a no-bitching clause. It's like, dude, just... You know what? 
George's it, ideas might have been out there, and you jerked them around with the treatments. Just leave them alone. Don't use them to sell your fucking book. Yeah, I mean, that was super fucked up. So. I mean, let, let me yell at him about the prequels. Yeah. You, you don't fuck with them to sell books. Without, I feel like, with an hour, with 35 to 40, that's a 10 out of 10 movie. Yeah. Like, no. I don't give a fuck what you say. The only thing that's missing from that movie is is character development and exposition and like that's right. all done with time and they just yeah you could it argue it's not even so much character development it's just adding to the the the, the building of the worlds that they've created with each other and, and this yeah. that and the other things so yeah. one other cool moment I, I did want to mention before we move on to a truncated mando recap <laughs> Because Nick and I were like two old ladies when we get excited about Star Wars movies, apparently. Um, Ray Saber. Ray Saber. Love it. I, I like it. Yeah, because it's... It, it, it's so I, her. I mean, it's so yes. like scavenger-ish because it is. It's her, it's her staff. It's she her cut staff. it down. At, at one point in time, I was like, oh, man, she did give herself a bow staff. But I do think it's a single blade. But I love how jack ish it looks. That's the best way I can describe it. I Dude. mean, it, it's like pretty ghetto looking. Yeah, I mean it. She industrial, do, I guess. I don't know how to like. Like she, she went a completely different direction than. And then Luke the color. Did. I mean, what would you call that? Is that the orange? Or is it's that like the yellow. yellow. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw it as yellow, and like that perfectly, again captures the environment that she was. It's fucking the color of sand. Anakin right. would hate it. Like yeah, there, there you go. Ah, <laughs> oh, like, Anakin, we love you, brother. <laughs> rise, rise, we love him. Um, All right, well, I mean, yeah. I think it's safe to say that the Star Wars time buddies enjoyed The Rise of Skywalker. They're not going to say it's perfect. One of them's going to tell you that you definitely should go see it again if you felt a little weird about your first viewing because your feelings could change, and they could change in a very positive fashion. Uh, but before we leave you, because we could be leaving you for an extended period of time because the holidays are coming up, and Nick's heading home, and we don't really feel like sitting down having to work you never know maybe one of us will fire up a solo cast but uh before we leave you um we want to just give our thoughts on the latest episode of the mandalorian which it, it was a rough one it ended had a it was kind of a very somber uh, cliffhanger if you will and we usually you know we do easter eggs and this that and the other thing i'm saying nick let's just get right into our summary of the episode our general feelings the top moments uh like i said in my recap review, but man, this Deborah Chow girl, she's pretty good at this stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, the, knowing that she owns Kenobi series is like the the most cozy, warm and cuddly feeling that I can have. Because like the two episodes that she's done so far have been the two best episodes of the series. Like yeah, they've been. You could argue the linchpin episodes you know episode three she did that was like the big establishment of like this is who the mandalorian is this is the main uh, gist of the show he's going to be on the run with this kid and now this one you could argue was you know they're going back and he's collecting on his not debts but on the relationships he's forged since that episode and our you know with our buddy queel before Oh, but I loved how you know she she spent the time to go back and collect Kara, and mm-hmm. then uh, Baby Yoda's fucking maneuver, man. That's obviously my first top moment when that little motherfucker sticks his head down to look like okay, the the adults aren't watching. I'm gonna I'm gonna make my move, and then he goes mm-hmm. up there and starts 
taking the yoke and flying. They're like almost crashing the Razor Crest. It was perfect. To yeah. cause them to be like, all right, we need someone to watch this motherfucker now. And so they go back to my new favorite pure alien character of all time, Star Wars. I mean, yes, he's under Chewbacca. Uh, and, you know, Babu Frick might have moved in the third already. Yeah, but Quill, man, Jesus, going back to, to see him again and seeing what he did with IG-11. I mean, what a great character. And, man, Nick Nolte, what a job. Dude, I mean, like, knowing that he did all of that work from essentially, like, an ADR closet that's miles away from wherever, like, filming was happening is, is pretty stunning because, yeah, I mean, the, the voice over is perfect and then the way that that quill has been used in this series was was fantastic i mean it's unfortunate that he gets roasted because i would have liked to see him continue on but yeah that sucked man that was uh but it was it was a it was an honorable death it was one of the better yes. star wars deaths if you will it was it was kind of obi-wan kenobi ish where it's not like quill knew he was toast I mean, he didn't know that they'd be listening into their communicators, and but there is like there is something to say, man. Did did Gideon know something? Is someone selling them out again? Like it felt like Gideon knew that they were fucking over the client, right? Yeah, and I mean, I he don't just know. opens fire on them, like, hey, fuck you guys. If the baby was in there, he would have killed it anyways. But he made it clear he wants it. I mean, maybe it's because they had that open comm the whole time. And, okay, like, he just yeah. heard them. Like, he was yeah. just like, oh, well, these motherfuckers are playing you. You're yeah, an that, idiot. That sucked, man, just because you knew as soon as those guys took off, you're like, that he's fucking toast. Yeah. Also, I mean, like, finding out that Gideon is, like, I think we might have got it twisted because I'm not sure if before. Yeah, no, we, I, I, I at least did. I was going with the client was higher rank. Um, Gideon's the fucking guy. Like he's yeah. clearly the big bad and possibly is going to be the big bad for seasons moving forward. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the, his, Cause, his. Yeah, that's a top moment there, man. His fucking arrival. Jesus. I mean, just pre-arrival, they light up that cantina and kill the client and then the way he comes in on that modified tie, it's like, fuck. Yeah, that was sick. I mean, him as a character is going to be something really fun to continue to, to track. And, you know, I assume that he's going to be a central figure in episode eight, the final episode of, of this season. And then I do not think he's going to get wasted in one episode. I, I, I don't either. And I know we're, we're going to get a big moment in, in eight because it was teased in the trailer. But you remember Mando's essentially flying up there and ratcheting himself onto Gideon's tie. Yeah. Uh, so I'm predicting Gideon more than likely has got homeboy. Yeah. He's flying away and, and our guy is going for him. So obviously we're not through top moments, but while I'm talking about that, do you think eight's going to end with the kid in Gideon's possession or Mando's? I think if you want to properly set up season two in terms of like, Hype, you're it's gonna do it to us, Gideon. Nick, aren't you? You're gonna do yeah. it to us. You gotta, it's, he's gotta be with Gideon. I know, I know, dude, it's killing me. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm getting sad already just thinking about it, but I know it's coming. Yeah, it's it's gonna suck because that you never know. Baby, I mean, there is always the good guy plot armor, right? I mean, yeah, it could still end on a positive note and maybe something else tragic happens, but I just have a feeling. They're going to be like, because, I mean, again, they had to write this before they knew what the reception was going to be by all of us. 
Yeah. So you, there's a good chance they probably had to write it like, all right, if we want these people to come back and keep paying that six bucks, let's really fucking drop a cliffhanger that's going to eat their souls alive for a year or so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, Another moment I enjoyed, and just the fact that he's back, the, the IG training montage, I loved it. I mean, we got more Queel and his tender side and his mm-hmm. mechanical abilities, but... You know, I, I thought I was curious that IG was getting in all these promotions, and now we know why. I mean, there's a good chance he's going to be back for good, and now that his uh, programming has been altered, he's probably going to be a an asset or a, a helper for Mando, but also a, a new interesting relationship due to Mando's disgust of droids. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm going to mention is that he he has this aversion to droids, and it's going to be right. interesting to see how I, I'm hoping Mando this. learns to love droids again through the reformed ig-11 yeah that would be perfect i mean one because it keeps taika ytt around a little bit longer and two and guess who's directing the finale yeah tight hit him (laughs) so taika's got it so you know he probably gave himself some some scenes yeah he'll be in there Uh, for sure but i do like that he's he's another moment dude didn't quite see this one coming but our little guy's got the dark side in him a little bit huh dude he does like fucking force choked her without thinking like that is, in like I've never seen any light side user do that except Anakin Skywalker, and he already committed he, to the dark. Yeah, he had turned already. I mean, that <laughs> is—it's just unbridled. I mean, like, like it's unbridled right. force ability because like he doesn't know. Like, like well, like he, he saw was, his buddy. He thought his buddy was in distress. Yeah, I mean, it's like what a dog would do if like you're play <laughs> fighting with somebody. Like if you're, I play just love the expression well, they gave him. Like the, Ugh, and he was doing the full on force choke. Yeah, and like, I mean, he, Baby Yoda is like, if there is one thing that is not divisive about Star Wars right now, it's fucking Baby Yoda, yeah, and that, like that's they, for damn sure, they've just killed like Favreau and Filoni have made this character into like. Like you, he's an unassailable character. Yeah, like he is, he's he's invincible. Even the fandom menace can't come from him. Um, no. Speaking of him, and this, I, I mean, I mentioned it, but clearly his healing moment that that was that's in there for a reason. Now that was just to kind of keep building to this fact that you know the force, what you guys thought was the force back in the in the originals, and you know in the prequels we tried to show you the Jedi's could do some crazy stuff, but then we went away once we got to Attack of the Clones, but. Now they're just full on like, yo, if you have the force, you are a god. Yeah, it's like you can heal. At that capacity. Like if if you have uh, the ability of a Yoda species to just be predetermined to have an affinity for high midichlorian counts, or if you're a dyad of the force, you're essentially a god. It's Yeah, I mean like for the Yoda species of of characters – it, it just seems innate to them too, because like he doesn't like baby Yoda does not know th- what he's doing. He's, he can feel it within him. So he sees this person is hurt. They're trying to save his life. And there's just a, a, a mechanism in his brain that goes off and says, if I go over there and touch this guy, I can save him. So like it, it's ingrained in their species to be right. powerful force users from like when they're infants, like 50 years old. So we just, I mean, we got a lot of Baby Yoda in this episode. I mean, we got some growth. I mean, I think uh, uh, really the last point I have on this episode, and I ran with another video, and if you want to check it out, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. But I'm running with now, Nick, Baby Yoda is not a clone based on the discussion Mando and Queel have 
uh, when they show up again, when Queel starts it with like, oh man, it doesn't look like he's aged, which I think it's trying to tell us that Mando's probably been gone from Queel for months. Yeah. Maybe a year even. Um, but he's like, he has an age, and Mando's like, yeah, I think he's strand cast. Yeah. But then Queel's like, no, he he doesn't look strand cast because I've worked in gene farms, and Yoda looks evolved, too ugly. Yeah, yeah. So he's, I think because someone already yelled at me in the comments, he's like, dude, you completely misinterpreted what they're saying. They're talking about like gene therapy, you know, master race type of stuff. I'm like, you know, semantically, probably I could see that, but I could, I, I, you could also, from my point of view, I think you could argue that he's not a clone. Like strand cast to me means there's gene manipulation, cloning. It's all the same shit. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of it's the, the way that shit. I took it too. Yeah, I mean. Now, I don't know what the significance of Pershing is now. I don't know if, like, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see if that character reinserts himself into the series because that's what led us to believe early on that he was a clone. Oh, is totally. Like, a clone but, I mean, the way, there, blah, the way blah, blah, blah. Gideon talks about the baby's like, I need it. I mean, it's like, yeah. wow, th- this guy's got a heart on for this thing. So yeah. I- I'm still, like, my other two theories are still out there that it is the truly the last of Yoda species kind, and they want its genes for gene therapy, you know, uh, Sith troopers, whatever. Yeah. Or, again, I mean, I think at this point I could probably kill this one after seeing Tross. You know, maybe they wanted it for some of the technology required to keep Palpatine sustained. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it, we, like, this episode did a lot for us, right? It, it kind of picked up the pieces again. It uh, We had those nice, as some of you called them, filler episodes to expand the world of the Mandalorian. But then Deborah brought it all back together in Seven and set us up nicely for this finale, which I think is going to be uh, amazing, but depressing in in the same light yeah yeah i mean i i love where the the series is going now deborah is you know has inserted herself in there as one of the best star wars directors that's that's going right now um so i'm excited to see what she does with kenobi and yeah dude i think this was a perfect setup episode to draw us into to the 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 final one of the season and then you know, we'll we'll see where we go when season two rolls around. But man, I mean, I don't know how you make a better episode than what Deborah Chow just made. Like that one was so fucking killer. Like just the moments where you're like cutting between like Kuil running on the blurg, the the stormtroopers on the on the bikes, Mando radioing in, and everything like that. It's just so it, it built tension. Quill, Quill, are you there? Are you there? I was like, oh fuck. Yeah. No. It was perfect tension building moments. Um so yeah, I mean I I'm super excited to see how the how the series closes out the first season. And it's it is. If it ends with with Baby Yoda in the hands of the Empire or the Imperial Remnant, then holy shit, it's gonna be a long wait to season Man, two. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to get through that. I might have to like uh, go to rehab or something or like a self help group. Yeah, it's fucking crazy, but all right, well, dude, that was fun. I have been uh, needing to talk to you about the rise of Skywalker. I mean, it was a, a definitely a different conversation than we had with uh, our post The Last Jedi screening, which is fun. Hey, you know, that's yeah. why we do what we do. 
it's we're not all meant to be clones of each other and all group think it's okay to have different opinions but I'm not gonna lie it's more fun when you agree on things with people so it was a great talk with Nick hopefully you all enjoyed listening to our uh, reactions opinions breakdown of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker the supposed final movie in the Skywalker saga you never know I would sure love to see Daisy Ridley break out the Skywalker again because I thought she was awesome in Tross and obviously Mando just keeps laying him up knocking him down killing it we love it. We love all of you. I don't know if this is the last time you'll be hearing from us in 2019. If it is, thank you for making it a fantastic year for the Star Wars time, boys. Uh, we saw the site grow. We saw our subscriptions grow across all of the platforms, but we still need your help. I'm not kidding around. You all are the reason we do what we do. But we need the feedback. We need sharing. We need interactions. We need you to tell all of your Star Wars nut friends about StarWarsTime.net. Because once they get over there, they can see all the content. They can sub to all the platforms. They can find our YouTube channel. And that's really all we need you to do. We want a following. We want this community to keep taking off. So keep at it. You foot soldiers out there, you know who you are. We appreciate you more than we can ever let you know. I mean, if we were cool, if we were rich, obviously we'd be slinging hats and gear out to everybody. But we're not there yet. But we can get there with your help. Keep beating the Star Wars Time Show drum. We love you. Remember, there's always time for Star Wars Time. And you should also remember, if you listen to the Star Wars Time Show, the Force will be with you. Always. (laughs) 